Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Last week's story. Yeah. So you might remember there was we, we shared the story in chapter 9 of a man born blind and his journey towards seeing. Jesus wiped mud across his eyes and he came to see physically, but it was also a journey of him coming to see Jesus for who he truly is. But, but the main section of that story, and in fact the, the focus of the last few chapters in John has really been a confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders. And last week we saw that confrontation take place between the religious leaders and the man who was born blind. And while the man received his sight, the religious leaders were blind and ignorant to the truth of who Jesus is. And we've seen that played out for quite some time in John. And so in today's passage, Jesus uses this illustration of a sheep pen to contrast the so-called shepherding of the Pharisees with the shepherding of Jesus. And on the one hand, we see the religious leaders described as thieves and, and robbers, while Jesus extends the compassionate guiding hand of a good shepherd. So Jesus' words in this passage, there's kind of two parts of this. They're a sad indictment against the religious leaders. But they're also words that are full of hope, wonderful words about the loving, shepherding heart of Jesus. So as we explore this passage, I hope that God will challenge us to recognise and listen to his voice. And that like simple sheep, weak and frail and dependent we would know the one who genuinely seeks our good, the one who's laid down his life for us. So let's pray as we explore this passage. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the rich illustrations and images that you give us so that we can relate to what you have to, sh- to, sh- to say to us so that we can understand more about who we are, about who you are, and about what our place in this world is. And and so, Lord, as we hear this story, may your spirit uh, awaken us to your truth, help us to see clearly who you are, and to be compelled by the love of our good shepherd. Amen. So there should be a video, I think, Murray, just a short video to play. I just want you to watch this video. It's just a bit of a visual illustration of this, this passage. Oh, there should, be, there should just be a video there. Um, it's just a, a green field. If there's not one there, that's fine. No, no, don't worry about it. That's fine. There's not a video to watch. I was going to show you a video, and I'll just describe it to you. It was a video taken somewhere in Europe, I think maybe Germany, and the beautiful hillside, fog, mist covering the hills, and a modern-day shepherd comes out onto the field and starts calling out to the sheep. And I don't know what he's calling out, but it's 
a beautiful noise and he keeps repeating the same phrase and then you start hearing the bleat of sheep from the distance out in the fog and all these sheep come running down the hill and just gather around him as he feeds them their, their food and it's just a lovely illustration of what Jesus is describing here in this passage of a shepherd calling to his sheep and them knowing him by name and so this illustration that Jesus uses many people who he was speaking to would have been able to relate to this image has anyone here grown up or spent time living on a farm with sheep before is there anyone here a few people yeah so you, you would know these stories well I've only spent a small amount of time on holidays living with friends on a farm but in ancient Israel, most families were engaged in agricultural work in some kind of way. And even for those who had other kinds of work, their families would often own animals and grow crops of some kind. And so Jesus is using a rich and familiar illustration that connected with the daily lives of people. But it's also an illustration that's rich, it's etched richly in the Hebrew scriptures. I suspect most of us are familiar with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And we heard from Ezekiel read a little bit earlier, and there's many, many other examples of this shepherding sheep-type imagery. But for us in Australia, when we think of shepherding, at least when I think of shepherding, we probably think of wide open spaces, large paddocks with thousands of sheep gathered together. That's been my experience on farms. But Jesus has a slightly different picture in mind. This illustration takes place in a sheep pen. But the more literal translation is it's a courtyard for the sheep. For most Israelite families, their flocks would consist of a handful of sheep that would be kept in a courtyard beside their home. And often families would share these courtyards together. And so this sheep courtyard describes a private space belonging to a close-knit group of families. It's not a wide, open, public paddock. It's a more intimate and relational picture than we might normally imagine. Each sheep is counted and named and known. And so from the outside it said there's something really beautiful about this image. When Jesus talks about his sheep, he's talking about something maybe closer to how we understand family pets. There's, these sheep are known. They're loved and they're part of God's household. They are precious. And you can hear that tone in these words. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The problem was, of course, that in a time where people had to provide for themselves and for their family, sheep were an important asset. They were used for trade and for food. And because the sheep pen was a private space, it... If you didn't come in by the gate, you were there for a sinister reason. You were trespassing on private property. 
And sheep were often a target for thieves who'd either take them to add to their own flock or kill them for a quick and easy feed. If we look through the Old Testament, the leaders of Israel were commonly referred to as shepherds of God's people. But last week in the story of the blind man, we saw what these so-called shepherds had become. Do you remember what how they acted towards the blind man and his family? They threatened to throw his family out of the synagogue if they mentioned the name Jesus. They accused the once blind man of being a liar and that he was steeped in sin from birth for merely telling the truth. And then at the end of the story, they actually throw him out of the synagogue and expel him from that community of belonging. They weren't trying to shepherd the blind man and his family towards faith. They didn't have their interests at heart. They were only interested in securing their power and influence and control. And so like thieves and robbers, they were there to use the sheep for themselves and lead them away from their true shepherd. But Jesus also talks about hired hands in this passage. And it's a little difficult to work out who Jesus is talking about when he speaks about hired hands. Maybe it's just another way of imagining the religious leaders and their self-interest, another way of describing them. But I wonder if Jesus is making another point here. Even the best human leaders of Israel, Moses, Abraham, Elijah, David, even those who were chosen by the owner and let into the sheep pen through the gate, don't love the sheep like their shepherd does. Their care for the sheep will only go so far. It, it talks about the hired hands being let into the sheep pen, but when things get tough, when the wolf comes, they run away because they don't really have the best interests of the sheep at heart. And isn't that often our experience in life? You know, even the, the love and support of our closest allies and friends will only go so far. Leaders let us down time and time again. Our families disappoint us. And for each of us, if we're honest, I suspect there is a line in the sand that we wouldn't cross if we're absolutely honest. Sacrifices too costly for us to make for the good of others. It seems that self-interest will always, eventually, get in the way of us being fully committed to the good of others. It's a rather sobering picture of human leadership. But for us in Australia, I suspect it's not much of a surprise we have a well-formed distrust of leadership and we see Jesus' words and think, well, yeah, of course leaders are self-interested. Yeah, of course they don't really want what is best for me. We are used to thinking that. The bigger problem for us in Australia, I suspect, is being willing to trust the good shepherd when we have such an ingrained and universal cynicism. I suspect for 
many in our culture, the idea that there is one who would genuinely seek our good is actually a pretty fanciful kind of notion. Hard for us to believe. But listen to Jesus' words. Jesus says, I am the gate. The gate in the sheep pen had two purposes. The gate was there to protect the sheep so that only trustworthy people would come in. But the gate was also the avenue for the sheep to leave the courtyard and go out to feed on rich green pastures. So the gate's a symbol of protection and of provision. When Jesus describes himself as the gate for the sheep, he's saying that only people who come through Jesus, only those who know and are known by Jesus are worthy to tend the sheep. It's only through Jesus that new sheep will come in and join the flock. It's only through Jesus that the sheep will be cared for, protected and provided for. These religious leaders refuse to enter through the gate. As people who refuse to acknowledge the good shepherd, they expose themselves as frauds and as thieves. And so Jesus' words are also for the crowds. Listen, Jesus urges, to the one, to the voice of the one who truly loves you. Here is Jesus, and here are the religious leaders. Whose voice will you listen to? Jesus says, listen to the one who loves you. But not only is Jesus the gate, but he says, I am the good shepherd as well. And so he presents himself as the one appointed by God with pure motives to seek the welfare of his sheep. And it's not just his sheep in Israel, it's in Israel and beyond as he gathers this mottled flock from all around the world and gathers it together into one flock. Now, if those were merely words, it would be pretty hard to swallow. If somebody came to me and claimed that they were 100% for me, no matter what, I would find that hard to believe. That's the claim that Jesus is making. But Jesus explains how we can be sure his words are true. He lives them out. The good shepherd proves himself to be good because he lays down his life for the sheep. Listen to these words again. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. There is no cost too great. No sacrifice he is unwilling to make to protect and provide for his sheep. And we see this claim put into action when Jesus died at the cross for his sheep. These are not empty words. These are not just promises that are unfulfilled. They're, they're proven promises and so it comes down to this will the sheep these crowds will they listen to the religious leaders these thieves who throw blind men out of the synagogue who expel sheep from the sheep pen and drive them away 
Or will they listen to the good shepherd who seeks them out and lays down his life for them? You know, if Jesus was retelling this story to us today in our time and context, I wonder if the story would change at all. Of course, Jesus would still be the good shepherd. He would still be the gate. Those who follow Jesus and listen to his voice would still be his sheep, even if that flock looks much more diverse and mottled than it once did. But who would be the thieves and the robbers, I wonder? Who would be the ones seeking to destroy and kill and steal the sheep? Well, I suspect at one level we could still cast an eye towards religious leaders, leaders of God's church. Uh, In Acts chapter 20, Paul writes this to a group of church leaders, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. It wasn't just the Pharisees who got it wrong. In the early life of the church, thieves and robbers sought to use leadership as a platform for their own power and influence. And we see the same patterns today where people in positions of authority, rather than feeding the flock with a servant heart, feed upon the flock. Use the flock for personal gain. This passage is really helpful in discerning the voices that are worth listening to. Is that influential YouTube pastor pointing us towards the good shepherd and seeking his glory? Or are they using that platform for personal gain? Is that famous book writer or tele-evangelist speaking by the spirit of Jesus, guiding sheep through the gate... Or are they jumping fences and speaking spiritual nonsense that has nothing to do with Jesus? Are the leaders of our church here in Springwood, Winmalee, myself included, driven by a servant-hearted desire to see people grow closer to Jesus? Or have we drifted away from focusing on Jesus as the one and only gate and shepherd? That's a question we need to keep asking of ourselves and of our leaders. Power and influence can be a slippery slope. But this doesn't, it doesn't just go for people in positions of authority. As God's people, we are called to be a shepherding community. If you look through the New Testament, you'll find that all of God's people are called to act in shepherd-like ways towards one another. In fact, the very same language used here to speak of Jesus as the good shepherd is later used to describe how we should all live towards one another. So in John 15, listen to these words. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So we're called, each of us are called to walk in the ways of the good shepherd, laying down our lives for one another, just as he laid down his life for us. And so that means that each of us 
need to reflect on our own heart and motives. As we serve people in our church, as we play music and picnic together and go to movies and concerts, as we work and labour to build and create and shape society, as we serve at open church or at under the cedar during the, the week, are we following the Good Shepherd? Do we enter those spaces through the gate, offering them as worship to Jesus? Are our interactions guided by love for those we meet? Or are there darker, selfish longings and needs that are driving us? The truth is that all of us have impure motives if we're honest with ourselves. That's why there's only one good shepherd. But can I encourage you, when we see the selfishness in our own hearts, can I encourage you to rest upon the grace of God? To come back to the good shepherd and trust the one who has laid his life down for you. He's the one good shepherd for us to trust. And the reality is in this passage, even those who claim to be leaders or shepherds, at the end of the day, we are all sheep following the one good shepherd. The final thought I'd like to, to leave with us is to just... Look for a moment at the verbs used to describe the sheep in this passage. The sheep listen, follow, and know. Those are all responsive words. The good shepherd acts first, and the sheep respond. He speaks, we listen. He guides, we follow. He reveals, we come to know. How are those three words played out in your life? In what ways do we listen to the voice of God? You know, the sheep recognised the voice of the shepherd because they were practised in listening to him. What is the good shepherd saying to you? What parts of your life is he speaking words into and asking you to trust him with? Is it your pain? Your guilt? Your insecurities? And what does it look like to follow the good shepherd? How is he leading us? How is he beckoning to you with soft whispers towards greener pastures, away from the cheap promises of wealth and fleeting comforts, towards a richer, greener paddock where our souls are refreshed? And finally, how might we practice knowing the Good Shepherd? How might we dwell upon his goodness? Talk to him in open and honest conversation. Celebrate his goodness. 
expose our hearts to him so that he might address the darkest corners of our lives. Listen, follow, know. Let's pray that God, by his grace, would help us to trust our good shepherd as we listen, follow, and come to know him ever deeper. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you first act. That's by your mercy and grace that we can be a part of your flock, a part of your family, that we are precious to you. That's sometimes hard for us to imagine when we look at ourselves and maybe don't see something that we're so proud of. And yet, Lord, when you look upon us, you see your precious sheep, your precious children. And you speak to us, Lord. You speak to us in so many ways, by your Spirit, through your Word. You guide us and call us towards greener pastures. You know our deepest needs and know that our souls need refreshing. And you reveal truth to us, Lord. You show us what we are like. You show us what your world is like. You show us what you are like. And so, Lord, may we respond by listening to your voice. Amongst the many voices calling to us, may we know your voice. May you give us the courage to follow you, even if it means leaving the safety of that sheep pen sometimes out to the green pastures. And may we know you. May we know your goodness, celebrating your majesty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.